Welcome to Living a Better Life podcast with your host, Madeline Golick. This is a weekly podcast exploring a variety of topics on how you can live a better life, not just physically, but in all aspects of what it means to be human living in a modern world. This podcast is for entertainment purposes only and should not replace professional or medical advice. This podcast is sponsored by Ecophysiotherapy, where their mission is to educate, empower, and rehabilitate you back to health. Without further ado, please enjoy the show. Welcome, everybody, back to the podcast. So today we're going to be talking about teens' health and wellness, and my guest today is Melanie Sutherland. Welcome to the show. Hey, thank you so much for having me. I'm really excited to be here. So, uh, of course, you know, we're, we're friends and, and colleagues and, um, you know, I've, I've been watching you launching this new program and I was really kind of interested to learn more uh, about what you're doing because I think it's super important that we support our young youth in their health and wellness. And if I think back to my, you know, health classes, like I can tell you, I remember zero right from those classes. Um, yeah. And I just don't think it, we're getting enough um, practical information like about like, how do we apply health and wellness to our lives as a teenager. So I, I really wanted to explore this um, with you. Awesome. Yeah, thank you. And you know, ironically enough, you and I probably actually got more health information in school than kids are getting in Ontario right now, which is part of the reason why this is so important. But yeah, definitely. I'm, I'm excited to be here and I'm excited to get to talk about it a little bit more. Yeah. So I figure the best place for us to start is like, tell us a little bit about you and then we'll dive, we'll dive into it. Great. Um, so thanks, Maddie. Yeah. My name is Melanie Sutherland. I am a physiotherapist. I'm, I'm afraid to say this because it dates me, but I've been practicing for 18 years now. My background was actually, I started as a sport physiotherapist. I actually did a lot of work with professional and elite athletes. I did that for the large part of the beginning of my career. Um, I had no intention whatsoever of ever becoming a pelvic therapist. I quote unquote thought that was gross and I didn't want to have anything to do with it until I actually got pregnant and had my daughter. And realized what an incredible thing the human body really and truly is, um, but also that huge gap in information. And, you know, the roles were kind of reversed and I became the patient. Um, and through that process of becoming the patient and in turn becoming a pelvic therapist, because I really had my eyes opened to the importance of this, uh, one of the gaps that emerged as I was treating it was I was seeing all these women much like myself who weren't realizing these core foundations of health, um, but we were realizing them in our late 30s. Um, and there was just this massive gap. So I've always had this idea as a treating therapist and also as a mother, because I am raising two young kids, about what could we be doing sooner? Like, how much of this could we alleviate if we actually put the knowledge of the this in the hands of our kids at times when they actually needed it, not leaving them in this abyss to sort of figure it out on their own. And then 20 years later, see the after effect of that. So really this idea for the teen collective was born out of my personal experience, both from myself and then largely what I see in clinic from women that I treat every single day, 
who wish that they had have had a much better handle on these things like 15, 20 years before. Yeah, thank you. So you totally just answered my next question on how, how, how it, you know, the teen collective program came, uh, you know, how it came into fruition. So I guess um, what I, uh, I guess what I'm curious about is what kinds of themes or common challenges um, were you hearing from these, you know, 30 year old, you know, 30, 40s um, that made you think about, okay, like what, you know, how, like what can we take to the teen and the, the teens and the youth based on what you were hearing? So what, what kinds of things were you hearing or seeing that were like, oh, this needs to come out sooner? For sure. I, I think the most profound one, and it still baffles me, is women who've come in and suffered from immense period pain for like 20 years. And I'm talking like period pain that keeps them away from doing the things they love, makes them have sick days every month from work. Um, and not realizing that we can have a massive contribution to that, just feeling that that is part of womanhood, which is truly a, a misnomer in itself. Like we absolutely can have impact on that. And then sort of rolled into that is that whole concept of inflammatory health. Um, and it really snowballs from there because, you know, it, it starts with the woman who comes in and talks about painful periods. And then we start talking about inflammation in the body. And then we can't help but get into things like nutrition and movement. Um, and, you know, these are women who often, in most cases, thought that they were, for the most part, quite healthy. Um, but, and I know I did it myself when I was a new mom. I thought all these symptoms I, were ha I was having was just part of motherhood. It was part of being a mom. And this is the price that you paid to have those beautiful children. Or this is the price you paid for being a woman all of which is completely untrue. And then I think the interesting evolution of this is that we would have these conversations with these women and then they'd come back to me or my girlfriends would call me and they'd be like, could you talk about this with my teenage daughter? And I was always a little bit baffled. I'm like, well, why don't you talk about this with your teenage daughter? Um, but what we're also seeing on top of the, the knowledge gap is that there's a generational gap. And a lot of the things that implicate the health of our teens aren't things that you and I had around. Um, a really good example of that is social media and cell phones. And you're probably thinking, what the heck does that have to do with period health? But we didn't have social media. We didn't have the body image issues. We didn't have the little phone pinging off in the middle of the night, setting off a dopamine response. And as a result, we were probably getting better sleep, things along those lines. So there's some major generational things that parents are feeling ill-equipped to talk to their daughters about, or they're just not comfortable with it. So it came part and parcel from these issues that these women were having it, but also the disconnect or the shame or the just level of discomfort that they were also having, and then taking that really important information and bringing it to the next generation effectively. Yeah, thanks. Yeah, I mean, definitely, you know, um, social media, I mean, cell phones. I mean, I think I got access to my mom's first cell phone at like 16, you yeah. know. Um, I had the like chunky flip phone <laughs> that 
was only allowed because I was actually driving a car. And the only reason I had it was to call home if there was an emergency or if I was going to be late for curfew. It was like, there was no texting, nothing else. And like that thing was so big. I couldn't even carry it around in a pocket or a purse if I wanted to. Oh man. When, it, when I first got like my first official, uh, official cell phone, like living in Waterdown, which was a really, really small town at that time, yeah. I literally had to drive outside of the borders of Waterdown to borderline Burlington to get signal, to get signal. <laughs> just to literally turn around and drive back, you know, 10, 15 minutes into Waterdown to like meet up with friends. Like, you know, so yeah, definitely. Um, and, and things now are moving so much faster. Um, and there's so many different apps, right? Like thinking about Snapchat, right? Like now we got like, um, I guess, augmented reality where now it's like you can change the way you look with Mm -hmm. this app that like takes away, you know, well, in my case, takes away my wrinkles. Um, But, you know, so a lot of body image stuff, a lot of, you know, you're seeing these photos that we don't know, A, if they're Photoshopped, B, Mm -hmm. you know, when we take photos, like, I don't know about you, but like, I'll take 10 of the same thing, different angles so that I can literally pick the best one, right? So it's not like we're seeing the true, like, you know, like, yeah, like if I'm coming from jujitsu and I'm taking a photo, like I'm sucking in my tummy, you know, like I'm not showing me in a relaxed state being a postpartum mom, right? And so you see these images and you think, wow, you know, X, Y, or Z. And like now it's like teenagers being shown all sorts of different images of what is quote unquote pretty and beautiful and perfect. And um, it creates a lot of stress. And then never mind the, you know, I guess the new ways of responding on social media and like what the etiquette is and you must respond right away and you have to respond this particular and everything continues to exist in the internet too. Yeah. It's, it's a lot of stress. It's a lot of misinformation. Um, you know, I always say social media is not a real thing because even my own feed and for business purposes, like it's curated, right? I don't put I don't put the crappy picture up. I put the picture that's gone through five filters and it meets my brand colors and you know it's representative of that and, and probably what I should be doing as an advocate for teens is putting stuff on there that's a little bit more raw and a little bit more true and you know hands down there are some great um, people out there who are doing that but I think it does it creates this stress and this pressure from a much earlier age. And we're also seeing that that is translating into the physiology and the physical symptoms that these girls in particular are experiencing. So again, when we talk about that generational gap, it's not just in knowledge, it's that their bodies are experiencing very different things on a basis of what is going on in the environment around them. So yeah, it's crazy. We didn't, I'm so glad we didn't have that stress growing up. Um, but we're both moms with girls. Um, and I think it's important that we start to normalize this conversation so that we get a more on par view of what the world really is versus a perfectly curated feed and unrealistic expectations. Yeah, absolutely agree. So 
your so your program is focusing in on sort of like five pillars of you know optimizing health and um you know i was hoping that you could tell us a little bit about what each pillar sort of is and like what you're hoping to achieve with those for sure so the pillars that we've selected so in our first uh, our first round of running the program we decided to work with girls age 12 to 15 in the next round because we've got a lot of feedback that a lot of families would love to see their sort of nine to 12 year olds in there. We're going to do two set ones, but we chose pillars of health that we thought were specific to that age group. They're by no means all of the pillars of health, but we thought at this really transitional age, what are these girls needing the most? What are they not getting good information about? Or as they go through a lot of transformation, what information could be most impactful? So first and foremost, we started off with nutrition for them. Uh, and largely that was strategic because we wanted a nice, easy door where we could really engage them in conversation. Um, we didn't want to start with period health with a bunch of girls who potentially didn't know each other and didn't feel comfortable. So nutrition was one that we started off. And, you know, for all of these things, one of our main objectives was to really strip it down to the basics, really get down to core fundamentals. So we were teaching the very basics of what makes up a healthy plate Um, you know, what types of things can you expect that you might need a little bit more of as you're going through this transitional age? So, you know, a large focus on big amounts of fruits and veggies, really focused on hydration. Um, We had a lot of great questions from the girls around vegetarianism and veganism. And I should qualify that I do this with a naturopath. Um, so she and I are both speaking on this together and she was offering a lot of great information around what are great sources of protein. Um, but also just answering the girls questions around different nutritional things around all the diets that are out there, all the fads that are out there. Um, you know, we're so inundated with, are you keto? Are you paleo? Are you this? Are you that? that we forgot that before we can make any of those choices for ourselves, we need to know the core fundamentals of nutrition and how they work for our bodies. So nutrition was the first one we started with. And then I should say some of this was directed by the girls too. We sort of had our ideas about what we wanted to talk about, but from there we went to environmental health. So the whole concept of your health is not just what you consume by what you put in your mouth, but what you consume all around you. So your environment, uh, what you put on your skin. And we did a big focus on skincare. And again, we talked very much about what are healthy ingredients, um, what, especially in this beautiful summer that we are having, like what is the regime and consistency with which you need to be protecting your skin, how to do that, not just through sun creams, but also through clothing, Um, understanding that our skin is our largest organ and it really needs to be protected. But then also talking a little bit broader, we introduced the girls to the Environmental Working Group's website. I don't know if you use that at all. Um, It's ewg.org and it's a fantastic one where you can go around your house and basically scan a barcode and it will give you an environmental rating based on the ingredients, the production, the manufacturing of a product about how healthy it is. Um, so for a lot of these girls, maybe they had a skin issue, maybe they were having allergies. So just identifying those, those basics of, of what is healthy. Can you read a label and are all of those things appropriate for you? 
Okay, so pillar number three, which followed the environmental health piece, where we also talked about healthy habits and sleep, uh, is actually period and hormonal health. And this one was really near and dear to my heart. I was super excited for it, but I wasn't sure if the girls would be receptive because it can be a more intimate and vulnerable uh, conversation. But the great thing is they had so many amazing questions. So we talked about what they can expect for their first period, but also what that period looks like during those first teen years. The fact that it's probably not going to be consistent for about two years. And then all the symptoms that go on with it, what we can do to alleviate some of those symptoms. And then one of the parts that I really loved, we were actually sponsored by Diva Cares, uh, which is a branch of the Diva Cup. So we had um, some great samples for the girls, but we talked about all the different options out there for period products. I don't know about you, but when I was a teenager, my mom just sent me into the bathroom uh, with a box of tampons and I had to read the instructions. So it was great to be able to really explain this to these girls, talk about great products like period underwear, which is a great gateway product or an entryway product for these girls who might not be prepared, but also talk about things like a cup, which if they're more active um, or they're a swimmer, for example, they might want to transition to something like that and actually give them a full array of products that, and explain to them how to use that. Uh, the next one that we're moving to, so pillar four is movement. And again, one that I in particular am passionate about, but very much like nutrition. And especially right now where there were so many different options on the internet, we're talking about movement and how the core fundamentals are of it, but not also ignoring all the fads that are out there because movement can be just as gimmicky as, as nutrition can be. So it's really important that they understand how to move in a way that fuels their body, that they have that nutrition piece to support it, um, but also just to find movements that they love because that's going to create some lifelong habits for them. And, you know, one of the things I struggle with with my clients in adulthood is you ask them to do exercise and the compliance rate can often be really low. And I think that's because they haven't formed a really positive relationship with movement from youth. So I think if we can inspire these girls to find movement that they not only enjoy, but really becomes a tool for making their body feel good and for alleviating stress, that's the main goal of that pillar. And then lastly, uh, we're talking about positive relationships and stress. Uh, we're actually bringing in a psychotherapist to help us with this component of it. But um, yeah, there's so many different things out there right now, whether it's, we touched on it earlier, social media or the internet. We're going to be talking about body image as part of this, but really teaching the girls how they can safely and confidently set boundaries, how they can manage their stress so it doesn't turn into something physical, um, all the things they can do that sort of fuel them and inspire them and create some really healthy habits on how we manage both our in-person and our digital relationships so they have the confidence to say no to things that are outside of those parameters. So those are the five pillars that we're working on. We let the girls deviate a little bit within that because obviously sometimes they are really interested in another topic. So skincare became one for them this time. And then just as the program evolves, we'll just continue to add the resources 
uh, and continue to build on what's really important to the girls. That's amazing. I think those are some really important, um, you know, topics to to build confidence and, you know, good self-efficacy and all of these things like, you know, taking responsibility for your health um, because nobody else can do that for you, right? And so developing mm-hmm. these skills early in life, you know, can have really profound um you know, impacts on health and quality of life later, for sure. 100%. So, so obviously they're getting lots of information. Um, you know, is it just information or are they, you know, getting additional like resources and how to's and, you know, yeah. recipes, you know, like, it- yep. Yeah, for sure. So uh, we also have parallels. So we meet the girls once a week, uh, every Thursday evening at 7pm. And we do sort of this interactive workshop. But they get a resource pack every week that sort of backs up the fundamentals of what we've been talking about. And then in between the time that, you know, we meet and the next week, we actually have a, a privacy protected Slack channel for the girls. So we typically have a lot of interactive discussion. We'll often run a challenge. So when we did nutrition, uh, we had them, we did a smoothie challenge and they were posting all their recipes for smoothies. When we did skincare, we had a wash your face every single night challenge. And we also had a face mask challenge. So they were sending us great um, posts of them actually, you know, with great face masks on and things like that. So it was really fun. And then, Parallel to that, we also have experts do, um, I do a recorded webinar with an expert every single week. So we have that as a resource, not just for the girls, but for the families. So they can go back and they can look on that. And if they have questions down the road, it's also just not my, my opinion or Dr. T. Winkle's opinion, but we're bringing in an expert specific to that area um, that, that can help the girls with some of their questions. Um. So obviously you, your program's focused in on uh, teenage girls. Do you, do you guys plan on having any resources or things for, for boys in the future? You think that's going to be a... Yeah, 100%. And we have gotten that question from a lot of families. And, you know, as much as I talk about being the mom to a girl, I'm also a mom to a boy. So I am not... Um, I, I certainly understand that we need to provide these resources for boys too. I think girls are more in this area. I think what both myself and Dr. T. Winkle do, the natural first step was to work with the girls, um, especially with my background as a pelvic health therapist. But I think it's hugely important that if we want to evolve into a society that really prizes their health and is responsible for their health, we can't just put that on a single sex because we know that that creates issues too. So yes, we're thinking of ways that we can adjust and develop for boys. And we're also looking for some experts that really speak to them and really speak in their language because a big part of this was community and trust and buying in. And I think Dr. T. Winkle and I are are great when it comes to talking to the girls, but I think we also need some strong male leaders who can speak to health who can participate with the boys as well so they can see some of their own concerns reflected back by adults the similar way that we are sharing our personal experiences with the girls. So it's in development. Um, We're working on it and I hope that we'll have something in the future. Amazing. Um, I'm curious uh, to, uh, I'm curious about like 
are the parents of these, uh, like, are the parents being involved in this process? Like, do they also have access to, to the information so that they yeah. can support their teens? Yep. 100%. Um, we did a focus group before we actually ran the program to see what was the best format for it. And what the teens in our focus group essentially told us was they wanted their parents to be on board. They wanted their parents to be getting the same information. They just didn't want their parents being part of the discussion. So parents are not welcome in the group, although they all sign off and they give their consent to it. But what we do is we run a parallel Facebook group for the parents. And so what we've agreed upon as a group is we summarize all the main points of our discussion. So after every workshop, I post that there for the parents. So they have something to reflect on and something to keep the conversation going. And then those expert webinars that we do, those get posted for the parents as well. And then at the, both the beginning and the end of the program, Dr. T. Winkle and I host a parents meeting where they can ask their questions, ask for further resources. But the whole concept is very much like any treatment. You seeing me once a week is not going to be nearly as helpful as those same behaviors being reinforced on a consistent basis. So the whole idea is if mom and dad have the same information, then that conversation continues and there's a door open all of a sudden, you know, while they might not feel equipped, now they at least have the cues to say to their teen, well, well, what did you learn? And I see that this was a point. Is this something that concerns you? Is this something that we should be looking at? Um, and then Dr. T. Winkle and I are also always available for answering any of the parents' questions to help support them through this journey. And then we hope when the six weeks are done that we'll roll it into a continuous group or membership so that those families will, will be supported long-term. Yeah, that's amazing. And I think it's great, um, you know, because the parents also kind of benefit on learning some tips for themselves, but it's, but it's really great that it allows for common language or a common theme yes. to have discussions so that, you know, the entire family actually becomes more health conscious, right? Because yeah. it could be the teen calling out the mom or the dad like, hey, you know, I see you guys on your cell phones before bedtime, you know, or whatever it is, right? And so yeah. really allows for a dynamic of working as a family toward optimizing, um, optimizing health. And I think that's amazing. Yeah. And we've had a lot of really fun responses from the parents too. I got a photo when we did the face mask challenge of a dad with his two girls down on the ground, fully with like a yogurt face mask and cucumbers on his eyes. And I got another response from a mom who just sent me a, a private message saying, thank you so much. Like I thought I was doing a really good job discussing these things, but my teen had legitimately come to me worried about a couple things that just weren't even on my radar to talk to about her or, or with her. And now I know that, you know, those things are really normal and alleviated. And at least I know how to have the discussion. So um, it's really nice to see the transformation in the teens, but it's also really nice to see the transformation in the families and know that they have the tools moving forward to continue this work. Yeah. And I think as parents, you know, we all want the best for our children. We want to support them and, you know, again, generational blinders, you know, like they may be, saying something to us that we're not picking up on the hints of like what they really actually need and want, um, but also to be heard too, right? They want to be heard by their parents, uh, you know, and, yeah. and so it's, it's, it's a great 
talking point. Well, and I think, you know, there's also that old premise that, you know, you're not going to hear from your same, the same things from your kid that they might tell another trusted source. So it's nice for them to have a safe space to have that conversation and then realize it's not a dangerous or shameful conversation and they can have it with mom or dad. Um, you know, I know myself that as a parent, I probably don't hear my child as much as I hear somebody else's child or a patient because we're in the mundane of the daily trying to get everything done. So I think just drawing attention to it, bringing families together and giving them the tools and the language has become a really important outcome, which has also been a really nice surprise from this. Excellent. Uh, and speaking of surprises, because I was literally thinking about like, what, uh, you know, were there any other surprises from starting this program that you had not anticipated? I think one of the best surprises was just how knowledgeable, and I, I don't want to underwrite these girls when I say this, but their questions are really smart. Like they've thought it through. Some of the resources that we're going to be sharing in the resource package are because the girls suggested them, which says to me that there's a real interest for these topics. They're already looking for them. Um, I thought we were going to be, you know, doing a lot more lecture style and hoping that they engage. But what has really taken me by surprise is that they're very well prepared and they're come ready. They're coming to the conversations ready to engage. So I think that just gives us a really nice insight into this age group that they desperately want to talk about these things, but they need the window. They need us to open up the conversation because it's all just bubbling underneath the surface. So that's been really, I, I can't say how impressed I am with this first cohort. They're smart, they're engaging. And what's really nice is they're super supportive of each other. And I've heard from some of the girls that they've, they've made friends and they now call on each other, which is great. They're building a community of like-minded individuals who support their healthy choices. So those were some really great surprises that we hoped might happen. Um, but I think we're taken back by the level at which they happened. Yeah, I think it's really beautiful that they're developing these relationships because it's easy to go with the crowd, mm -hmm. right? And it's easy to take the easy route, um, you know, like, oh, everybody's going out for lunch, you know, they're all heading to McDonald's, well, I'll have it too, not to say like having McDonald's is, anyways, I'm not going to have a conversation about that, but, um, yeah. but, but it's easy when everybody's going out as a group to do what the group is doing. Um, it's really hard when you're, you know, trying to make changes that, you know, may not be, um, the norm that you're able to reach out to those people for support and be like, you know, it was really hard. I really wanted that hamburger, but, you know, I decided to have a vegetarian meal instead. Yeah. And I think, you know, as adults, we come to realize that we're very much made up by the people we're surrounded with. But when you're a teen and you don't have a ton of confidence and, you know, being part of a group is such an important part of your identity, it's hard to take a stance on things. So I think the way that we change the health in these girls is to change the communities, right? To change, to add more of them within those groups that share the same values. And that is the hope that if we start to reach enough girls, that they have those friends, that they have those people they can talk to, they start to make more confident and empowered choices 
so that they start this route to health from a very early age versus, you know, probably where I was as an adult, where I grew up on craft dinner and I ate pizza and McDonald's and yeah, we're not going to go down that road for sure. Um, but it's taken me into my forties to really become confident in my nutrition and my movement and feel secure about my body image. Imagine how many more opportunities there would have been for me if that started when I was 12 years old. Yeah. So yeah, I think it's, I think it's super cool that they're interested in it. And if we can create a few more safe spaces and a few more voices to support them in that, that would be fantastic. Yeah. And even, you know, just to like share recipes or share products or like, Hey, I found this. Right. And then they yeah. can have, you know, discussions amongst um, themselves as well and have some common language. I think yeah. that's amazing. Um, yeah. I guess my next question is, you know, cause there may be parents, there may be teen girls that are like, yes, I need, I would love to know this information or yes, I would love to involve my teen in this. You know, where can parents and teens find more information about your program? Yeah, absolutely. And thank you for asking. Um, So we're just finishing up the current cohort. We have two more sessions with them. And then following that, we're looking to launch again the beginning of October. And based on feedback that we've got from the community, we'll be launching a group for 12 to 15 year olds, but also nine to 11 year olds. And while most of the pillars will stay the same, it will be directed towards the specific age groups. So right now you can, uh, we're just prepping the sales page, but you will be able to go to bodycotoronto.com slash teen collective. But you can also check out, usually when we're getting ready to launch, I have a ton on my Instagram. Um, So even if you wanted to check out Instagram or Facebook at uh, bodycotoronto, there'll be tons of information there as we get ready to launch our next and hopefully bigger and and better cohort. Amazing, amazing, amazing. And um, for anybody listening that's like, oh man, I can't write down the handle quick enough or what was that link again? We will post those links um, in the show notes to make it easy um, for you to find the information that you're looking for. And um, yeah, I think it's just, I think it's amazing to hear that you're going to have sort of two separate cohorts because I think it's important because the younger, you know, preteens, their their challenges may be obviously different than um, the the um, sort of older group. So so I, it, it'll be For great, sure. and it allows us to just tailor it more specific to their individual needs. But one of the things we did find this time around was that there was a lot of parents who were like, "Yes, my teenager needs this." And then when it came to them convincing their teens, they were like, well, well, why do I need this? So another thing I should say is as part of that process, um, we do encourage families to get their teens on board, but either myself or Dr. Tewinka will happily do a discovery call where you and your teen can pop on and, and we can chat about it and chat about the suitability of it for them. Oh, that's amazing. And that's a, that's a great offering and opportunity for the team to get also some more information on why, you know, why it would be important for them. Um, yeah. Because yeah, y- you want them to be engaged versus kind of showing up begrudgingly because mom mm-hmm. or dad is, you know, sort of quote unquote, asking me to do it. Um, yeah. So that's, that's great. Um, I want to thank you so much for taking time out of your schedule to talk about this. Cause I think it's so important and so needed. Um, and I just appreciate you sharing your knowledge. 
Thank you. It's been a pleasure to be here. I, I really appreciate the opportunity. And I mean, our goal is to get as many girls through the program as possible and to have as big of impact. So being able to speak to it is a big step towards that goal. And on that note, I will, um, I guess my ask of anybody listening to this, you know, if you are a friend, a family member, a parent, um, you know, sharing this out to others who have teenage girls would be really, really helpful so that we can spread the word and, you know, get these girls moving into their lives with more confidence and health and well-being. So share it out there. Um, you know, of course, subscribe to the podcast so you don't miss all of our amazing topics that we um, put out every week. And, you know, feel free to leave us uh, reviews and comments so that the podcast, you know, also reaches more people, which all we're looking for is impact. So mm-hmm. if you can help, if you can help us in that journey, we would definitely appreciate it. And on that note, I say thank you. And until next time, thank you for listening to Living a Better Life podcast. Make sure to subscribe to our show to stay up to date with our latest and greatest episodes. We would also love to hear your comments, suggestions, and reviews. Thanks again. Until the next episode. Bye for now.